Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Fowser Consulting. And on today's fabulous episode, we're going to share with you a book I found because of last week's episode when I went and talked at ATD. One of the keynote speakers was a gentleman by the name of Adam Grant. So I grabbed his book, told Sam we should read it. He said, nah, bro, I'm good. And then he read it and he was like, we should do a podcast on it. So here we are. So let's talk about Think Again by Adam Grant. You know, I'd like to uh, disagree with you and say that I didn't say nah, brah, but that's pretty much exactly how it went down. I'm glad we can uh, put our hours of show prep into the introduction as well. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So cool. So, uh, Drew, I, I just finished this book on my way to Minnesota last night. Uh, I did the audio version and Adam actually read it. I'm pretty happy that you kept pushing me to read this book, actually. Sam, I, I grabbed it when I found out he was the keynote speaker and I was like, I, I just need to understand what I'm getting into. I had never heard of him before. For you and I, I think this book is, is fabulous because I don't know about you, but occasionally as I'm reading the book, I'm like, okay, wait, I'm very clearly a preacher when I'm talking about this topic, or I'm very clearly a politician. I'm talking about that topic. I think early on in our careers, we're probably definitely guilty of being prosecutors. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And for those of you that don't know what you're, we're talking about, I'm not going to share more than that. Just understand that Adam gets into how to approach a discussion where instead of putting the person you're talking to on the defensive, you allow them to go on the offensive and it creates a completely different dynamic for the conversation because, well, you approach it like a scientist and prove me wrong. It's a fabulous way to start an easy understanding a dialogue as opposed to what we might have today, which was our debate over product and service, which was a, you're wrong, I'm right. And very much a preacher or a politician in that standpoint. As I think back to our debate on that, and I was listening to the book, I thought about better ways that we could have helped each other find understanding. It was very enlightening listening to him go through different scenarios where people were talking about things. And the way that he wrote the book, he kind of set me up a couple of times, like, I need to stop listening right now and send him an email about this. And then he would go on later in the chapter and it would come to fruition. You know, I especially got pleasantly caught off guard with the eight-year-old debating the world champion debater. I was so confused reading that the first time. I had to go back and reread it like two times because I'm like, wait, it's an eight-year-old debating a world class. Like, how does this work? I'm not going to give it away, but it is technically an eight-year-old debating the world champ champion debater. And I'll tell you, as, as you listen to the audio version, he plays actual audio clips from the debate. Really? So as you're reading it, 
you, I bet you weren't nearly as I was becoming a prosecutor as I was listening to it. I was like, of course that, you know, people are changing them, their minds because they're listening to an eight-year-old girl. I mean, she sounds like an eight-year-old girl sounds. It was, um, it was very interesting, the twists and turns that that particular story took. And I think that the eight-year-old girl probably acted the same way that many new leaders act and missed the most important pieces. In this respect, I'll spoil this part for the listeners. It's the emotion piece combined with the agreement. Exactly. The eight-year-old was fabulous with data and just pounding on data. And the, the, the national debate champ was like, I completely agree. You're right on this. You're right on this. You're right on this. But what about that? And if you think about that from a conversational standpoint, it just changes the dynamic so much when you just agree, right? Because now we're not screaming at each other. We're not calling names at each other. I'm not telling you why your point sucks. Wait, you agree with me? I, I almost get flummoxed. I don't know what to do next. Just a fabulous way to think about approaching a, an issue. You certainly get disarmed. Uh, that's a much better word. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which I think is important if you're trying to come to, you know, if you're trying to come to a point where you come up with the best solution. And I like the fact that he talked about debates aren't about winning and losing. It's it's about coming up with the best solution. You know, we did crucial conversations some months back, and last week I just did my crucial conversation workshop with uh, uh, Dominus Till I Die, the Harding Group down in Indiana. And a lot of the strategies in crucial conversations align very nicely with the way Adam talks about the way that we should think again. It's it's amazing when you do it. And, you know, when we did crucial conversations and I've done that workshop now probably a dozen times, people just get this sense of, oh, my gosh, that is so much better when they see it in action. I'm trying to decide whether this book is groundbreaking or if it's just validating the things that that I think both you and I have learned over the last couple of years. You know, again, I think we said this about another book. It's always nice to read something that you teach. And, you know, one of the things that I think I learned from you, actually, is when it comes to process, I'm more interested in your process than your outcome. And, and you know, Adam gets into that pretty deep. So that was that was amazing. Sam, when when I started teaching that in the supervisor class, that when you do the evaluating visit, it's about are they doing what was taught? And then is it getting the result? Because otherwise it's just luck. To hear Adam keynote and say nearly that exact same thing, I was like, okay, I'm I'm on the right path. <laughs> if the dude's teaching at Wharton, I'm on the right path. I mean, you're right though, like Chapter eight in the book is charged conversations because he can't say crucial. He can't say difficult. Like all those things are trademarked all over the place. So charged conversations. And he gets into exactly that piece of how to take the beginning part of the book and and use it effectively. I mean, there's just so much in here. Listen, I got to say, you're not going to change somebody's mind on everything. But this book gives you a chance to change a mind in these three or four people you're talking to. Well, and I think that, you know, when you say you can't change everybody's mind on everything, I mean, he makes a pretty good case for if you stick to these 
these techniques that you you get really close. You can get really <laughs> close. I mean, goodness gracious, he was talking about uh, a black musician who was having conversations inside a closed vehicle with a grandmaster of the Ku Klux Klan. And the guy went on to say, you know, the grandmaster went on to say, anytime you're in town, please call me so I can come see you. And then he goes on to, he resigned from the, not only did he resign, but he disbanded the entire group that he was in charge of because of the way this gentleman spoke to him so, so eloquently. And, and it was just amazing. And then, you know, you talk about the doctor being the vaccine whisperer. Uh, I mean, that story was, was just incredible. And, you know, I think he tiptoed into what is the most divisive topic that, that I think our country is, is struggling with, and that's politics. And I think I thought he made some really, really good points. And I'm just, I don't know, at, at, at points when I'm listening to him, I'm like, yeah, 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 more And it was, um, it was really interesting. The whole premise of the book is that you have to rethink what you've always thought. And for me, when he real really brought it home was when he talked about one of his earlier books and said, yeah, that was wrong. I'm rethinking that. He's not calling out other people. He called out himself. Sam, I, I like it because as we're talking to clients, clients are always on board with what we're teaching. The participants take in what we're teaching. And when they go back to their store, what generally happens, Sam? They generally go back to business as usual, whatever their standard operating procedures are, because this isn't the way we've always done it. So adding adding a layer of this in to help those participants realize that I'm not saying you've been doing this wrong for 10 years. I'm saying if you add this to what you're doing, if you if you subtract this, the change that can happen, I like that approach a ton. Uh, as I was going through uh, Pigeon Forge last week and I was doing my open rush clothes class with uh, uh, Need a Rush Pizza, I had some of that with them because they're like, we already do this. Like, cool. Show me how. I'm like, okay, we haven't really done it in a while. I'm like, okay, so let's, let's actually do it tonight. Like, let's just jump in with both feet. And it was just it's nice the way he approaches it, that it's never the person you're talking to is wrong. It's always the opposite of prove me wrong. Huge fan of that because people don't argue with their own data. Right. And and I like how he went into, if you're so convinced of this, tell me why, or tell me why you know that to be true. And if they can't say why they know it to be true, then you can start asking even more questions. And I think that's where he really really came across as getting people to to change their mindset. You know, I'm getting ready in Minnesota here to do a train the trainer class. And I remember distinctly the second time I did it up here, I had a couple of people that were going through it. And one of the participants looked at me and said, well, that's not what you said to me last time. You said completely the opposite. And man, I wish I would have been armed with this book. And I could have said, you know, I bet I did say that. I, I've had a chance to rethink it. And this is what I'm thinking today. And, and this is today's better practice, not best practice, better practice. It's not flip-flopping, it's growing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he, he did a good job of talking about flip-flopping in the book as well. And that, 
it's not that at all. No, kind of funny because I had a I had a side conversation with a person who was complaining about technology failing, and his his thinking was something like, and that's why I don't I don't remember what the don't was, but it was something like like just ludicrous. It was like that's why I don't use that app or something like that. And I don't remember what the exact technological piece was, but my answer was cool. So that means you carry a typewriter around because once a month, your battery fails in your laptop. Like that's that kind of locked in thinking that we can just, the old way was so much better. And Sam, you and I've been around a while in this business. The old way was not any better. You know what? We did the best we could with what we had. And we got some really good results with the old ways. But if we were still 100% over the phone, if we were still door slips, if we were still Baker's Pride, nobody would be doing the volume they're doing today. That is correct. There's just simply no way that if we brought a Domino's Pizza Store from 1984 into today, that you would do the kind of business. I mean, you think about online ordering in and of itself, you would need, you would need 12 people to take orders. The last store I ran in 20, in 2001, it was doing what is today the national average. And I had 12 incoming phone lines. And I'm sure there were times all 12 of them were lit up. On Friday night, I would have on average 17 people on the inside of my store. And most of them were just on phones. Think about today's labor model and having 17 people taking orders. You know, I know that Domino's is charging for online orders. I gotta believe it's a better value than paying somebody seven, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen dollars an hour, depending on whatever labor market you're in. It's just uh, things change, and if we're not, if we don't have the ability to think again and rethink things, then we're going to we're going to fail. That said, it doesn't mean the newest, shiniest, brightest thing is the best thing. But it means that if we adopt it and we honestly approach it with an open mind, it could be better in three months because we might go, hey, you know what? If you if you do B instead of A, look what happens. Like, and that's that's the difference, right? It's that it's that victim mindset versus that open mindset. It's that closed versus open. And and this entire book is just about taking stuff on face value and putting your biases as far away as possible. I don't know how else to say it. It's it's a great read to help you open up for when things change around you or when you want to change things around you. Yeah, it it, it really is. And I think that you know, I like his his list of 30 actions for impact at the end. I thought that was very well done. I like the way that he described it. I can't think of a book that we've done that I think is a more important read than this one. I, I mean, I can think of a few that are as important, but this one is, this one, uh, just let the cat out of the bag. This is a must read book. If you haven't picked this one up yet, you must. Uh, listen to it on audio, read it. If you're reading the actual book, have some post-it notes and some highlighters ready because you're going to be busy. That said, buy the book. Think of it like Atomic Habits. It's one thing to buy the book. It's another thing to do something with it once you're done with it. Take this and as as Sam said, like dog ear it, highlight it, posted it. What are you going to do about it once you're done? What is it that you're going to start doing to think again? It's a fabulous book. I haven't figured out how to make this one into a class yet. I think it's called Go to Wharton and Take His Class. But um, <laughs> short of that. 
I think the key is putting snippets of it in existing workshops. You know, you're talking about leadership and communication. I think it definitely fits in there. I think it's definitely a good bolt-on to the Crucial Conversations workshop that I've done. There's so much stuff in it that's just really, really good. I, I believe that Adam's got a podcast as well. So he does. I was just going to mention that. It's called Rethinking because, of course, that's what it is. It's listed a couple different ways because TED Talk sponsors it, but then he's got it out on its own too on Spotify. So like the same podcast, but it's got two different names. Not sure how that works. But in his last episode, it was absolutely amazing. He, Simon Sinek and Brene Brown are are going on each other's podcasts and Simon Sinek just lampoons him. And, and it's great to hear these three thought leaders around leadership just kind of go at each other for no one stepping up to take the lead. That's funny. I was in New Hampshire a couple of weeks ago. Emily DiLorenzo put me on to the Adam Grant podcast. I've yet to listen to it, but I've got some, I've got some major windshield time coming up in the next couple of weeks. So I think I'll, I'll put that one on the must listen to list. So I already let the cat out of the bag as far as what I thought about the book. Uh, what about you for you in the backpack, on the nightstand, on the desk, in the trees, uh, in the recycle bin? I think this one's on the desk. I agree with you. I don't know how to make it itself into a workshop. Giving it away will absolutely occur. But for me, for my copy, keeping it on the desk where I can make sure that I'm especially in some of the classes where we're asking people to change behavior, I can approach it more from this think again standpoint, as opposed to some of the ways I've been doing it in the past. So yeah, it would absolutely be on the desk to blend it into some of my workshops. I agree. And I love the snippet right on the front cover, the power of knowing what you don't know. And then there's a quote by Daniel Kahneman, brilliant, guaranteed to make you rethink your opinions and your most important decisions. You know Daniel Kahneman? I do not. Daniel Kahneman is a, he's an economist that got a Nobel Prize in psychology, or he's a psychologist that got a Nobel Prize in, in economy. It's, it's one of the two. He definitely got a Nobel Prize. Yeah, but I, I think he's the economist and he got it in psychology because he proved that we, we want something more because it's desirable because the group wants it, as opposed to being a smart a smart purchase like there's so little logic in the way we buy things that it's almost all emotion driven it's a fabulous thing and he gets into like like why people go to starbucks instead of dunkin donuts because in blind taste test if dunkin donuts coffee tastes better and it's cheaper why wouldn't more people go there because starbucks is cooler holy cow you just opened pandora's box inside my inside my head right now as i'm thinking about buying a new bike definitely not logical no no and and the thing is, his, his second part of the thesis was that once we have that emotional trigger, we then back in logic because we, <laughs> we want to, we want to better explain it. Like, like it's a, once you say it out loud, you're like, oh my God, this is legit how I make every decision in my life. Yeah. But it's also how you win decisions because if you're just logical, you end up being every losing candidate in every political election, right? Because if you just commit something with logic, it doesn't change anybody's heart. And if you don't change their heart, you can't change their mind. Yeah, that's that's for sure. One last thing on the book that I, I'm sure you, you found interesting. So in the book, they did a, a case study about people's biases. And it came upon when he was at a baseball game. 
And the Boston Red Sox fans immediately went into a 35,000 person chant of Yankee stuff. And what was especially interesting about the chant was that they were playing the Milwaukee Brewers at the time or some other baseball team. They weren't even playing the Yankees. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that he talked to Yankees fans and Red Sox fans about about why they said those things. And he actually got to some places where they had the same opinions, but he certainly didn't turn any of them. <laughs> no, no, those those sports chants are deeply ingrained. It's usually inward at college, but pro it's there. My Rangers do the same thing. They have a Potvin sucks chant for an Islander player from 1979. As, as I'm about to go to Boston this upcoming weekend, I, as a Yankees fan, I, I, yeah. Never going to like their sports. Good town. Never going to like their sports. I'm with you too. Oh, here's a funny little story. I told this while I was in Boston. When I got married the first time, my wedding day was game six of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Pistons against the Celtics. The wedding was in Massachusetts. The Pistons won to go on to the NBA Finals, and I wore my Pistons hat to the reception. I was very popular. Sam Fowser, ladies and gentlemen, how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> yeah. We, we both have done many sports-like things like that. Um, yeah. Even if it was something like me being on MSG Network's Twitter feed when the Rangers scored six goals in the third period against the Red Wings. Yeah. 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 yeah it was a good yeah. day for you. Yeah. Not a good day for Red Wings fans. All right. Is it time to land the plane i'm attempting to grow and say the pun correctly land the plane dock the boat dock the boat um and just for one last nod to the book we will land the plane into a giant vat of mayonnaise mayonnaise you're gonna have to read the book to understand what the heck i was saying about that (laughs) so uh thank you've been listening to another episode of drew and sam Talk training. I am Sam with Fowser Consulting. I'm Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Like us, follow us, share us online, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your peeps, tell your enemies, tell everybody. If you listen, we can have some cool guests on. Heck, maybe we can even convince somebody like Adam Grant to come on. Who knows? Yeah, there you go. So, as always, gang, go out and sell more pizza and have more fun. Bye-bye. Woo, see ya.